Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is The Signal, presented by Euphemet. On this edition of The Signal, it's a new beginning, a new show here on the Euphemet feed. I'm your host, Jim Perry, and I missed you all so very much. And this series is going to be set up to be conversations a little bit looser than what you experienced with Night Drift. This time I'm talking to Tim Rothschild. He's a mystic who has devoted his life to really diving into non-dual Kabbalism and affecting change in people's lives. He's a numerologist, a shamanic healer. He works with individuals in finding resolution to conflict in their lives through the lens of a non-dual perspective. It's really rich stuff. He's one of my best friends. This will be a little bit of a self-indulgent interview because I thought, who better to kick off a new series with than Tim? As you know, I've been away from the podcast feed for the last four months or so. I've been taking time to really develop what I wanted to do with this podcast feed. And geez, that space I created for myself, I just filled it with being busy with so much stuff. I have been writing this book about the Maury Island incident that has been keeping me really busy. I've been reading a lot. And sometimes it's just nice to take a second to, you know, kind of not produce anything and to take everything back in. I think it can help you as an artist or a writer or a craftsperson or whatever I am. It can help you develop what your voice is again and help you get a sense of the new directions you want to go into, the new places you really want to explore. I'm going to continue producing Euphemet featured documentaries. This series will now, for right now, take the place of Night Drift as a conversation series. So that's the direction we're going to go. And over the coming months, you're going to start seeing some really interesting things happening. That's Charlie in the background making all sorts of noise right now. <laughs> Charlie, what's going on? And I will mention some of the conversations that you'll be hearing on the signal coming up are just, oh man, I, I think my break away from this has added a, a sense of gravity to some of these conversations. Um, like for example, in the coming weeks, you'll hear, you'll hear me and Whitley Strieber, and I just recorded it two days ago, and that was really moving. I, I felt like we got into some spaces in that conversation that I hadn't seen Whitley in before, or not in a long time, and I found myself very vulnerable in that interview, and doing my best to to be present and. And listen, that's so important sometimes. And speaking of which, let's listen to Tim Rothschild, who will be catching us up on what he's been doing since the last time we talked to him. And we'll talk about how uh, our, our version of reality is affected by our levels of participation in it. And if this is a thing, we all have the ability to access something more mysterious, something more unknown in our lives. We just have to challenge ourselves to be open to what can possibly be 
and then I extend our hand out to see what reaches back. Enjoy this conversation with Tim Rothschild and look out for more new episodes of The Signal right here on the feed. As I'm back... So in just a minute, I will be joined by one of my best friends ever, Tim Rothschild. He's a, I don't know, I want to call him a mystic, but I don't know if he'd entertain, I suppose he would entertain that title now. I think the title that he doesn't entertain anymore is Shaman. And I want to ask him about that, but I know a lot of things have changed in his life and um, it's going to be a fascinating conversation and I think a really fun one as they typically always are. Uh, You know, for as long as folks haven't heard me and Tim have a dialogue on this podcast feed, it's been almost as long since I haven't had an opportunity to talk with all of you either. And so as I sit, Tim's here. Tim is here. I was actually doing a little preamble. I'm just recording on the fly like old days, Tim. Remember like the rolling it. recording start where you just never knew when things would begin? Yeah. When did you get away from that? I, I, I don't know. It's a good question. I think it's a bigger question. I think, I think that question is at the heart of why I've had to take months away from this program in general is, is, is at the, the seed of that question is where that lies. But anyway. That's like too much about me. Dude, you're looking good. How are you doing? Thanks. Yeah, I got my haircut for this. Just you know, you know the difference for you know, when you get a haircut, you kind of feel a certain way before it, and then you just feel better after sure. it. Yeah. 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 So that's what I did to get myself ready for today. A little conversation with you. So yeah, thanks man. for having me. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is gonna be a hang. This is gonna be a conversation. We're actually we were gonna catch up and we said we should probably just do a podcast or at least that's my internal dialogue. I don't think that was clearly communicated to you and we didn't have that discussion, but I thought to myself, yeah, if we're going to catch up, why don't we just record and we'll catch everyone up on what's going on with, with you, with, with me and what's going on in our lives. And dude, since the last time that we've spoke in, in front of people like on this podcast feed or, 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 or publicly, a lot of things have changed for you and a lot of great things have happened. Mm. What, what, what's going on in your life right now? Share a little bit about, about how things have changed for you. Made all the big moves this year. You know, I, uh, I got engaged in a really cool way. I was out in Dubai, um, teaching the, assisting the four-year program for the, the school that does all the healing and awakening work that I love. So out in deserts in Dubai, we got engaged, which is really cool. And then um, Gina had been pregnant. And so we had a baby on November 15th. So she's a little over four months old now. Um, her name's Alma Isabella Rothschild, which is really cool. Oh, and that, that was yeah. any, anybody that has a kid, you know, I'm not saying anything new here. But the moment I heard her, the moment she was born, it, my life was different. You know, since yeah. that time, things have just changed. And in a great way, you know? And so what else? Oh, I bought a house. So I'm in a new studio now. I'm recording. I think this is the first time you and I record from this, from this new place. Maybe this is the first time. time. No, first this time. is the first yeah. time, man. Yeah. So it has, been, it's been a while. Cause I've been in this house for nine months now. And uh, yeah, man, it's been a while. It's about, it's about time we caught up. You're right. I know. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's a lot about this that reminds me of, when I took that break before Euphemet got picked up by Hunt a Killer and we did the documentary series and it was off to like new territories. It was a different land. You and I continued doing content together and working together and creating podcasts, podcasts together, but it was different. Right. And through that were changes. I mean, through that time, I'd, I'd launched my small business. I, I'd launched Defy. You know, you were sort of finding your place after a rabbit hole and, and you know, uh, starting, you know, really embracing your shamanic journey and your, and your journey through mysticism and non-dual Kabbalism. And 
a little of that feels like now. And I often think about this phrase that you used to say all the time, which is history doesn't repeat, it rhymes. And every time I steal that line, I do give you credit for it, by the yeah. way. I tried to steal that from someone too. <laughs> yeah, 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 of course. Of course, it's, it's out there. That, that came from the deserts of Saudi Arabia uh, somewhere, I'm sure. Um, but it, people, it takes people back when they hear that phrase because it clicks and it makes sense for a lot mm-hmm. of people. And that's what I feel is maybe an apt description for what is going on now for not just maybe what's, what's going on within the continuum of, of creative work for myself or maybe for you. But for a lot of people just now coming out of what, what I would say it was the most heated portion of the pandemic, the, the time of uncertainty and everything else, um, it, that felt like a like sort of the death of something, only to reveal something new. Am I just thinking about this a little too poetically, or do you think there's actually something to that idea? The idea that something died, you know what I mean, and culturally? Yeah. Well, you know, I think, you know, I'm a numerologist and I and I subscribe to that way of thinking often. I kind of use it as a way to organize reality. And uh, part of what I really like about it is the fact that everything operates in cycles. And the cycles that we go through have a relationship with all kinds of planetary bodies, if you want to be an astrologer and all that kind of stuff. But for me, mm-hmm. the numbers and numerology stand for different qualities that are moving through us and with us or different states of consciousness. So when you say reality doesn't repeat itself, but it does rhyme, it's speaking to that deep truth that these qualities do repeat themselves in different ways. Like there's always a beginning to something and an end to something. And on top of that, there are different sort of uh, tumultuous events or different kind of things that can cause friction in our lives that can start a new cycle for us. Usually it's connected to a larger cycle, but, but so anyway, yeah, I'm, I'm actually moving into a one year this year myself from when, when it was on my birthday. And I got to tell you, uh, it, it is the death of something and it's the start of something new. I changed a lot of things in my life. Actually, I, I got, I, I got back involved. I'm like in the world in a new way because, because of my daughter, um, I started to sell solar panels again for the first time in like 10 years just yeah. it's so it's so interesting because healing work always supported me just fine and i would have if i didn't have a daughter I would have continued doing that without uh deviating off the path at all but it, it's just it's again it's a start of something new the death of something old the start of something that i never thought that i'd be getting into again but i gotta be honest it's it's also another level of freedom that i didn't mm-hmm. expect just financial freedom and yeah. the you know so so things it's all the, there's all these new ideas coming in so now it's like okay the world is the way it is now you know things have definitely changed and my life has changed as well so okay what does that conversation look like now and what mm-hmm. kind of conversation can i start to have with guys like you jim when i can say you know what yeah let me go meet you at this sacred site why don't we take a trip to this place in the world and go get our you know our paws and mitts into oh, something and talking. you know feel the soil in our feet and, you know, get a, get a real sense of, right. There's only so far that morphogenic fields can only work so far, right? Like I can only give a shamanic healing to somebody on the side, on the, on the other side of the world so many times before you want to get in person and you want to yeah. touch them and you want to feel their energy in that sort of, it's just, it's a different I thing. I see what you're it's doing a, here. I see what you're doing. My, you're using this opportunity to just like completely jazz me up about whatever this new world is that we're living in. <laughs> And that with the death of that old world comes sort of beautiful, brilliant new opportunities to connect in new ways right there in person on the spot. Yeah. You know, it's like you don't know what you got till it's gone, right? Yeah. And this moving everything onto Zoom, moving everything into this, you know, this sort of non-local kind of. I don't know if non-local is the right word, but I'm, th- I'm thinking in terms of morphogenic fields and how we impact sure. ourselves at a distance. Makes sense. But, yeah. but nothing, there's nothing that beats the in-person stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, there's nothing that beats getting your, getting your feet on the ground and getting a sense of what's really going on in person. So that's what I'm coming to. It's just like, it's sort of like, I, I miss it. I miss getting out there. I miss being a part of the, part of the whole game and the way that we used to be. So that's what yeah. I'm looking towards also, right? New financial freedom means new opportunities and the ability to to work on new projects and to get back out there in the world again. You know, the world's Is, been you, sleeping for a while. Yeah, very much so. I feel like my brain has been sleeping. 
Um, <laughs> so with your new sales position, you have the ability to do that uh, remotely, right? And at your leisure sort of thing. Yeah. That's literally the only reason I can do it. You know, so it's it's really what I actually love about it <laughs> is because for the first time in like 10 years, I feel like I'm doing something that I can actually have mastery over. Like and actually like, oh, OK, <laughs> right. so there's actually a yeah. process that I can follow. It's not this shamanic, mystical, ethereal thing where I can't. I've got, it's like trying to grab water with my hand. It's like yeah. you just you can't do it. So it's actually, it's been a huge relief for me to be able to call somebody up and just see if they're interested in taking a look at a project. It's yeah. so simple. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I love that. I love that, man. I think like sometimes, and this is not to compare the two things, but the idea is the same. I'll be ordering a sandwich at like Subway or something. And, uh, you know, all through school, I had been a sandwich artist I, I you know all through all through high school and and even through college and stuff I, I worked at subway and I like listen I was really good at it I was a I was a I was a key holder I could make a sub so fast everyone was super excited and it was one of those things where I was like yeah yeah qualitatively I was very good at making sandwiches and it was very easy for me and on those days that I'm stressed and I go into a subway and I order a sandwich and I look behind the counter. Sometimes I just want to jump back there and make my own goddamn sandwich because I know that there'll be some feeling of mastery that I accomplish that in the day, in that moment, I just cannot muster myself in my own work. Yeah. yeah dude, I couldn't agree with you more. <laughs> You're reminding me. I used to I used to get overwhelmed all the time when I was because the last time I've done sales, I think I gave it up when I was 27. You know, shortly after I joined the mystery school and we were doing deep inside the rabbit hole and like my life was obviously going in a different direction and I just, I couldn't do it. That's but gotta I be used, like really close to when we first met too, right? Yeah. Like it's right, yeah, right, right in the mix time, of all yeah. that. Absolutely. It was right in the mix. And I, just, I just remember I used to get overwhelmed. I used to sit by the lake and watch the ducks and I'd say, man, it's good to be a duck. It must be good. <laughs> Look at them just... <laughs> doing their thing or, or i'd watch or i'd watch this is by the way i'm not intending to uh um, to hurt, hurt anybody's feelings or it, like there's i mean no judgment with this but i also used to watch with admiration the construction workers on the side of the road who would hold the stop signs mm-hmm. you know stop or go slow you know that kind sure. of thing i used to be i just go man that looks like a good job yeah. you know right. I, feel, I feel like i could settle right into that yeah yeah i've got thoughts about so many things you just said uh uh-huh. first of all i realized the other day as watching a, a duck try to fly uh, across the road, that it was so labored in trying to fly. And I was like, ducks are really shitty at flying. Like they really <laughs> have a hard time. And I said this like it was a revelation. And I was next to Kendra and she was like, well, yeah, look at, they got their meaty bodies and they're real big and they have very <laughs> poor wing structure. And yeah, of course, like no duh. But it like, it reminds me that there is is potentially a metaphor in there somewhere in that when when you're sitting there at the lake and you're watching this duck just gently glide through the water with no cares and duck its little ducky head into the water to grab whatever tasty morsel is at its display uh that on the other side of that is when that duck tries to leave the water it is just struggling yeah (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah I, t- I couldn't agree more. So like the spiritual teaching right back when I was 27, I didn't know any of this. But, like, you know, what I'm doing is I'm literally I'm sitting there and I'm imagining some other life that's not mine. Right. So mm-hmm. literally I've, I've now split the world into pieces and parts. It's now it's not a single thing anymore. There's this other place that I need to get to that's better than where I am now. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? So the the work is how do you be with the here and now in a way where life can help you change the things that you need to change while still not remaining the same, you know? So oh, these man. are the things that we know now. And you're good. I can tell you're back into sales because you got these like great segues that you can tie in there that just ties up a little point. It's brilliant. I love well, it. It's yeah. What's right. What's the, uh, I don't sell solar. I sell the benefits of solar. So it's always, yes. I'm always bringing it back to the value. <laughs> yes. What does it mean to you, Jim? Why, what are we yes. talking about ducks here? Well, Jim, it's actually a non-dual <laughs> expression, <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> but it's true. I can, I, you know, I can't deny, it. you know, the, uh, 
the mastery that we were after, the, the mastery that I would daydream about back then, you know, we have that opportunity now. And maybe that's a part of, you know, what you and I can come back together and do is sort of not always be on our leading edge, but maybe, maybe talk about the things that are in our wheelhouse. You know, maybe yeah. we can relax a little bit and just have a good time together. You know, we don't always need to be on that razor's edge. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, listen, I think that hearkening back to one of the first things you said, which made me think about the sort of growing complexity of producing content for this feed. Uh, and I will go inside baseball here for the benefit of those people that are checking this out and listening and, and kind of wondering what's going on is that, you know, um, I think sometimes as artists or individuals with, you know, sort of high ambition, uh, and, uh, uh, who are, who are motivated can work themselves, uh, into nothing. And I think it's important to realize that you know, that's, that's okay to not be able to continually produce at the level in which you think you need to, or that you are required to, to serve whatever abstract purpose, purpose that is. And I think at times when you start to see what you're doing is merely becoming a commodity in some sort of way, um, whether directly or indirectly, it's important for us to take a step back and go, wait a minute, what, what are the parts of this that I really loved? What is that to me? And this time away has like really gave me that opportunity of perspective to really think about what are the things about having a podcast feed and engaging with listeners and helping share people's stories. Uh, what, what are the most important things for me so that I can continue being motivated and also continue to change? Because I really do believe that we have experienced a collective death of something together that we've all been like sort of challenged in a morning and like kind of tossing and turning around trying to figure out what that new version is. So, so there is no better time really than this to explore what those new incarnations of things are. And I wonder, you know, as we're talking about like sort of a death and rebirth in those sort of ways, is there um, a, a sort of non-dual lens that any of this could be viewed through that, that, that you would consider? Well, I think, you know, when we talk non-dual, we're usually living in the land of paradox so there's a death that's happening at the same time a birth is taking place, mm. you know, and I think that that happens on multiple levels for us. We can't just make it a clear cut thing like, oh, this is over and now this starts. It's more like spring into summer, summer into fall, fall into winter. You know, it's, I, I don't, I can't tell you, it's not always the summer solstice when I can say it's summer in New York. It's that <laughs> hot summer's day. You know, it's right. like when, when that yeah. humid day rolls in, I say, oh, now summer's here. Yeah. You know, so uh -huh. it's not a logical thing. So the non-dual thing for me would be to recognize like in our own lives, um, what's the life and the death that's taking place right now? Because all manifestation comes from within first, I would say, you know? Yeah. I'd also like to extend an invitation to anyone listening. You know, if you've had an experience in this way, you can share it. You can share it with me on email, jim at euphemet.com. And especially if you've had, you know, sort of interesting physical manifestations of mysterious quality that you can't quite place that are maybe showing you or demonstrating or displaying that something has come to an end and something new is approaching. Have you had some sort of metaphysical first day, first hot, balmy day in the streets of New York? And if so, yeah. yeah, share that. Two things come to mind. Um, the first has a lot to do with the mastery that I was just talking to you about. It's like um, there's been a sort of a spiritual relaxation in my life where I'm sort of saying, all right, I'm going to do my best with whatever it is that I'm going to go towards. And then the rest kind of isn't up to me. You know, whatever I'm going <laughs> to manifest here, whatever I'm going to do. You know, so so I'm in a much more relaxed place. And then the, on the other side, I had this experience the other day. I was holding my baby, and I had this experience where um, it was only it was a fleeting moment, maybe thirty seconds, maybe a minute. 
but I felt like I had no desires in the world. Like I had, I had no, I was completely content. There's nothing that I wanted. And in that moment, on a really deep level, I understood that all of my suffering came from this addiction to attachment. We're just, just all of my attachments are creating the suffering. I mean, this is not something new, right? All spiritual teachers talk about this uh, since forever, but I had never really got it in my cells before, you know? And wow. it's changing me. It's changing. It's, it's the, echo, the echo of that. It's like, it's like a dream, you know? You kind of fades away and you can't quite hold on to it, but the echoes of it are with me. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. You know, you know when spring is here. You know when summer is here. When that day hits you, and you know, I think you described it there, man. That's I'll give, God. That's fucking and I'll give beautiful. you one more. I guess I'll give you one more, right? Um, so all of my work with the with the school, a Society of Souls, or the Foundation for Non-Duality, um, has been hope, hopefully to be able to teach the four-year program one day. And the reason why I selfishly want to teach it is not just because I want to share this work with the world, but because I get to go through it again and I get to deepen my practice and I get mm -hmm. to understand this stuff. Right. So Jason Schulman recently gave me permission to start teaching, to start gathering a class as long as I worked with one of the other senior teachers who's just, she's just on another level. So she's like the fine wine. I'm like the new wine and we're going to come together and <laughs> help each other out. You know, but, uh, <laughs> but that was a, that was the hot summer's day for me. Uh, Gene, uh, Jason giving me the opportunity to teach said, you know, I have enough faith in you to explore this now. And so that's when things started to get real, you know, and I started to say, mm -hmm. okay, really, you know, I, I'd been sick for six or seven years. I've given myself a lot of time to sort of get my feet underneath me again. And now it's time to get real again, to start to live this work again. And it's, it's wonderful. It's, it's, uh, it's it's just so it's so nice to be able to talk about something that I'm living again rather than feeling like you know I'm just too sick to do it even though there was, yeah. I was never separate from the work or whatever but you you know what I'm saying there's this yeah. like you could do you could do radio shows if you had the flu but would you wanna yeah you know? man that's such a good point I think that's a big part of it you know is that uh, you know I do wonder and and have you experienced this from that time being away from this, were there portions of that work of, of being in that moment of, of being in real life, executing this level of work or play or exploration that you feel you might have idealized in those lower times where experiencing them now are like, Oh, actually I didn't like that part of it as much or, or, Oh, what I'm learning is that I like this part of it way more. Like in your case, have, have you learned that you really miss teaching or you really miss being a student or some part of your practice that has just sort of, uh, reawakened you? Yeah, it's a great, it's a great question. You know, what I'll say is that what's becoming much more evident for me over the course, because because for me, the way I see the universe is the universe is always healing, right? The universe is designed to heal. It's actually, we're living in a self-actualizing cosmos, and we can never be separate from the whole, from the greater whole. So this is always happening, no matter what. So even all the difficulties that we face on a day-to-day -day basis, when looked at in the right consciousness, these difficulties are precious. And they're precious because they're our unique difficulties. And we might share some of them, but the way it's expressed in our lives and everything, it's just, it's unique to me. So there's something here about it. There might be treasure, you know, you know there might be honey in this rock, right? So at, at, throughout the time that I was sick, the honey in the rock, I couldn't, I didn't even get to it until like Jim Lutea, like two weeks ago. I didn't realize part oh, wow. of what was happening. 
And um, again, it's only because of the, you know, Jason gave me permission to teach. So I sort of put on my big boy pants and said, start looking at your life again, Tim, you know, take, start taking this work seriously. And also just because I'm strong enough, just I'm vital enough to be able to do the work again. Uh, so I mean, I became, let me tell you, he looks yeah. strong again. Thanks, listening man. to this, he is, he is looking strong. What I need to get, I just, we need to do this more often because I need to get my, uh, my radio pants back on. You know? <laughs> no. No, you do. Yeah. Oh, well, you're you're too kind. But yeah. you know, when you're a little rusty, you feel a little rusty. You just want to kind of shake yeah, it I know. off. I know. I, I feel the same. I feel the same way. I'm sorry. This feels like a segue in turn, like kills your point or steps on it. But like, I feel the same way. But also, um, you know, who cares? It's fine. Just be <laughs> just be yourself. Oh, am I am I am I coming off as vulnerable, Jim? Uh oh. <laughs> <laughs> so you Not know you. what was I? What was I saying? What was I saying? I don't know. Um, I, I think you were you were talking yeah, about um, getting your big boy pants on. Well, putting your pants on. Yeah, kind of realizing what the difficulty was throughout. Like this difficulty is precious. What are the what are the gifts that were in that illness for so long? And one of the things that I finally figured out was, uh, you know, there was some there was something called path work that was done. I think in the seventies or the eighties. There was a lot. I can't remember the woman that channeled it, but if you look up path work, you'll find it. Uh, there's a lot of channelings that 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 were put into teachings, and one of the channels talks about how each one of us has a higher self, which you could talk about as the future self or the more whole self. Uh, we have a mask self. The mask self is sort of what we pretend we, and tell ourselves who we are. You know, as we move through the world, we're kind of cut off from our real self, but this is how we survive and how we do our dance. And then there's this lower self. <laughs> Man, the lower self is nasty. This lower self, it's just, it's, it's unconscious until you make it conscious. So for me, it's, this is, it's very exciting for me because I love when a new aspect of reality reveals itself to me because the work that we do, the mystical work, it helps give us an understanding of the architecture of reality in relationship to human consciousness. And the reason why human consciousness is, is important is because, you know, dogs, cats, most other animals that I'm aware of, they don't have self-reflective consciousness. So mm -hmm. one of the problems with being a human being is the self-reflective consciousness. One of the gifts and the problems is the right. self-reflective consciousness. So we're always kind of working with that. How can we use this to our advantage? How can I look at my life and, and reveal something that wasn't there before, right? In the Kabbalah, we talk about receiving life as it is. So for me, what I became aware of was this voice where whenever I couldn't show up and I couldn't, maybe I couldn't exercise the way I wanted to, or I couldn't show up in a, in a healing the way I want to, I realized that there's this voice that was like, you wimp. And it was actually a lot worse than that. It was more like, mm. you know, I'm not going to say it, you know, but there was this really nasty voice. Yeah. I started to become aware of it. And then I was on Reddit in one of the spiritual communities that I pop in every now and then. And somebody wrote, Hey, you know, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm having trouble getting out of bed this morning. Can somebody say a prayer for me? Say, say prayers for me. And there it was again, this, you wimp. <laughs> and I was like, whoa, okay, interesting. So there's always some aspect of my consciousness that is out of relationship with the way the world actually is. Meaning, if we as human beings with self-reflective consciousness are waves on the ocean, there's some aspect of my will, right? My will, not thy will. Not the, not the my will meaning my personal will is not in relationship to the ocean. So I'm constantly wanting to push myself past where I need to be. Is this making mm -hmm. sense a little bit? Mm -hmm. And because of that, unconsciously, I'm also pushing other people past where they need to be. And so it's just, it was just a fascinating realization to be able to start to explore this new aspect of reality where it's like, there's always some aspect of the human design that is out of relationship to life. So there's always this part of herself that's in the front of the train car that is completely integrated and knows what's going on. And then there's this path in the back that has no clue and is flailing and is, is, is struggling with life, you know? So it's that kind of stuff that makes me hang in there and, and, uh, and continue to do this work because it's, it's, a, it takes something out of the darkness and, and puts it into the light and then makes you a, a safer, saner person to be around. And it also opens up doors to do the things that you and I love, which is to be able to explore the world in a more whole way, right? If we, if we know that there are aspects of our consciousness that are creating problems for us, we should probably see if we can resolve that, right? So that's what I've been doing. Man, that's so fascinating. And it makes me think about the relationship between the phenomenon and 
uh, mystical perspective and that various levels of our consciousness being expressed in different ways through the lens or through the, the, the funnel, which is the phenomenon, right? If it's yeah. a conversation, if it's collaborative in a lot of senses, in that it, it's not going to be the same for every person. And the experiences are not singular in the sense that they only live in this one state of being. But depending on what level of consciousness is brought to that interaction potentially or what you're communicating with or what you're participating in creating something with, that could be the lower self potentially engaging with the creating problems, creating massive problems. Right. This is what I mean. So like what we want to do as human beings, if you're on a healing path, what I would suggest is, you know, take take the attitude that everything has a right to exist. Everything, no matter how screwed up and distorted and weird and wonky and out there something is, everything has a right to exist and there's an intelligence to it. And this is why all spiritual paths tell you to be, you know, they say the end result of every spiritual path should be tenderheartedness. Mm-hmm. It should be kindness to all to all creation, right? And it starts with yourself. But the whole point of that, the deeper reason, at least for me, what I'm what I'm coming to, the deeper reason for that is because you want to know the intelligence with each thing. So if you're coming at something from a compassionate lens, you're giving it a chance to reveal its heart to you. And then so something as screwed up as a shooting, for example, is, you know, say, you know, how, how the hell could this be an attempt to heal? Somebody's shooting or hurting somebody else. How is that an attempt to heal? Well, some somebody's doing that is, is in a lot of pain and they didn't have a place for it. You know, so it gets expressed out there in some way, you know, anyway, you know, I don't want to go too far off track, but the fact is I just wanted to use that exaggerated example to show that somehow everything has a right to exist. And if we can take that viewpoint, it starts to change how we explore these other realms. It starts to change, right? Because it it, it also puts the power back to you because you can start to say, okay, oh, so this is the aspect of my consciousness that's that's creating problems. And this is also the aspect of my consciousness that's maybe moving more into the demonic realm or getting into magical practices or or doing things that just aren't helpful, that are more harmful than not, you know? So, you know, it's interesting. I'm always doing that dance between the personal healing work and sharing that with the world and, and and also simultaneously allowing that healing work to help me refine my purpose, to continually rediscover my purpose and to live that. And then the other side, it's like, I also just want to clean up my consciousness so that we can explore with a clear eyes and clear heart, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So. That, that resonates with me big time. And I think you put it brilliantly. What is next for us, you think, man? What are, what are, what, what's, what's happening? Uh, what, 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 what is, what do your senses tell you? You know, did you pick up any psychic abilities uh, through your shamanic training that you can just tap into at this point in time? What, what I'm being trained on is how to work with, because I'm the way I manage navigate through the world is uh, a sensate way of living. Like I feel things first. Mm-hmm. So my psychic impressions, I'm not like, like my fiance is super psychic. Mm-hmm. Like she just, she, <laughs> yes. she, I can't, I can't uh-huh. do a thing without her knowing. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. And it's one of the, <laughs> it's one of the more difficult aspects of our relationship because you should be able to hide even in the most intimate relationships. You yeah. need a place to hide. The matriarch. <laughs> Yeah, you know, all powerful. But for me, it comes through. Uh, it comes through a feeling. So for us, you know, when I let myself sink into it and I start to let myself uh, imagine and fantasize, you know, what what could this be? My, and my hope, which gets kind of tangled up with it, is that I want to go on adventures with you. You know, I want to do my work to bring me to clear eyes, clear heart, or at least let me know when I'm muddied up and confused, so that I can you know, have that be my center that I push off from and explore, explore life, explore. What do you want to explore? You explore different dimensions. You want to explore angels and demons. You want to explore how sacred sites are in relationship to everything we've been talking about and how they're designed in a particular way to, to tell you when the right times to do a particular practice to shift your consciousness is, or just sit in this chamber and meditate for a little while and see if you connect the source in a new way, or to see what beings are sitting there ready and waiting in this timeless state for all us to rediscover it, you know, you know, all that, that I'm just getting started. <laughs> you know, this is just off the top of my head, oh, but man. Um, you're, you're a great, you're a great guy to travel with because you're curious you ask good questions, so you you get the right answers out of me. You know, I'm and, clean. Uh, and I, uh, yeah, uh, yes. courteous. 
I have a I have a very good disposition while traveling. Mm-hmm. I think I believe I, I mean I've been told. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, I agree. I'm a good travel companion. Yeah, but you're a reasonable guy, Jim. You're a reasonable guy. I, I don't I don't feel like at any moment you're going to fly off the handle. You know? <laughs> I would love if that was people's experience of me, especially like for shoots and stuff. It's just like mm. any minute, you know, oh, okay, mask is slipped. Now we're walking on eggshells. <laughs> yeah, the, 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 shoot, the shoot's going well right now, but the shoot could drop at any moment. <laughs> By the way, I have an entire, I have an entire adventure to still release to drop to people. And that was our trip up to upstate New York. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We, yeah. Uh, we, uh, that would be considered upstate. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's because uh, it's about an hour upstate from me, and I'm, you know, depending on where you, if you're in the city or if you're in Long Island, I'm, up, upstate. I'm upstate, and yeah, I'm like right. five minutes from the city, you know, <laughs> <Right>. I'm like, <laughs> right. right, yeah. So we went up to the Hudson River Valley, in yeah. which was host to an amazing flap of UFO sightings in the early '90s, and uh, man, there was mass coverage around it. There were, you know, streets that were lined with parked vehicles after the sightings began to occur uh, with with people, with residents that were anticipating to see more UFOs and were staked out to do so. And so they they formed these great, you know, sky watches. And and uh, last year, Tim, uh, myself, uh, Andrew, uh, Jewel of Strange Days Zine and uh, Strange Dispatch podcast, which um, has has you know, been on this uh, podcast feed a bunch and, uh, and, and uh, a junior producer, Haley Pearson, we went up there in search of finding kind of like uh, some sort of truth to what that place holds now and its relationship to those experiences that people had. And what's fascinating to me is that some of these locations have the ability to commoditize their relationship with these experiences. In this case, uh, tchotchke shops, little museums, uh, aliens painted on the windows of the local pizza parlor, these mm. type of things where it's always present, uh, little parades that happen in the summertime. Uh, they're dignitaries of these experiences are people that have wrote a few books about them and, and th- that during the experience had, you know, been on the ground interviewing witnesses. But it, it, it is funny that how we take something kind of startling and unknown and we're able to interpret it through that lens of something uh, kind of comfortable and familiar and kind of cartoony. And we build this whole separate relationship to it that, that is not the same as what was going on in that experience itself. You know, you can call it, you know, sort of tacky. You could call it, um, you know, exploitive to whatever that is. But but really... I was left with this impression of like, who's to judge? I wasn't there w- when that experience was happening. And a lot of the matriculations of what we see in terms of a town popularizing these stories and taking them on as sort of local myth and lore is them uh, accepting what that experience was and how to move forward with it in a positive way, I think. And that's going to look different depending upon those individuals that experienced it and the communities. I'm sure there are detractors that live there to this day that said, I, you know, I, I saw it and there was something else going on. And I think these alien paintings on the window are tacky. uh, And I don't subscribe to how they're handling these things. You know, the purists, you know, the, 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 uh, the, those that, that are really seeking for deeper answers. Well, well, we went, I think with little expectation of what we were to find, we showed up in this town, we visited the museum, we uh, tried to talk to locals about it. What was your impression when, when we were there and we tried to talk to locals about any of that experience or, or uh, what they felt about the town's relationship to that? Do you remember? Yeah. I do. I remember. I remember. I'm thinking of the diner right now with the big uh, saucer on the yeah. top of it. You know, yeah. you, you you're asking the uh, the waitress, uh, you know, what they thought of it. You know, you know, it's just, what it seemed to me was <clears throat> it seemed like a lot of people um, 
seemed like there was a good amount of distance between the events that took place that shaped the town itself and the people that are in it, you yeah. know, and, and, you, you, and I think there's a whole spectrum of people that you meet, right? Because we definitely, the, the guy who owned the museum, he was definitely, you know, eating, living and breathing this stuff. You know, yeah. he was, he was totally, he's totally into the whole alien, alien abduction thing, you know, and then you find the, the waitress that's kind of like, oh yeah, you know, aliens, that's cool. They didn't seem too, you know, too bothered by the whole thing. It's just sort of, right. you know, going to an amusement park kind of thing. So, you know, my take was, we, I think, I think we saw people from all, all ranges. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was so interesting. And then we decided to take the next step and visit the locations that a lot of these sightings had occurred there. And then, well, I won't even like spoil what our experience was after that because we, we, we sort of really went off grid, uh, during the night and attempted to connect in, in a very sort of specific and fun way uh, in the darkness in some place that maybe we weren't even supposed to be. And uh, I'll, sh- I'll wait to share that story. Uh, f- mm. from when we dropped the tape, but it, it was, it was fascinating, um, how that all, how that all happened and what we feel we may have experienced on that night. And after we released that episode, maybe it would be a good opportunity for the four of us to, to record something together and, and, and talk about how from that point on, have we had any further relationship to that experience? Because I, I do feel sometimes these things, when, when they're pivotal, when they're experiential, when they're uh, tactile, when you, when you feel the nature of what is going on, you know, sort of in your bones and, and much to what you're talking about, there's a different quality when, when you're in that space and you're, you're, you're experiencing it. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe those type of things can and do follow us in different ways mm-hmm. and can reveal their true nature later on in like sort of mysterious ways, which could potentially be synchronicities or dreams or uh, just like weird coincidences that are fun mm-hmm. or, or leading us down further down a rabbit hole. Right. So mm-hmm. we'll have to talk about that. Uh, it was fascinating. And I mean, when I think about that trip, you know, it was just, I mean, I, I guess I was out there for like four or five days and it had, you know, we, we had a chance to, to be together the entire time and we bounced around from, you know, being at your place to, to being upstate to, to being in the city and what fun that was and how deep in experience we were able to get during that trip, you know, in between like sort of, yeah, you know, eating, you know, some fried eggs at the diner and then getting some slices, you know, down the street in the city. In between all of that stuff, you know, of course, is is great bonding time between friends. But the amount of the the level of, I think, activity or connection that we had with the unknown was amazing to me. That we can step mm. out the door and just be a couple dudes eating, you know, pizza on the street. And the next moment we're inside a historic hotel, you know basically having uh, the some sort of seance some sort of communication ritual mm-hmm. and getting substantive you know results between us of 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 are we are we being connected with something you know because during that experience and it was covered in Andrew's feature on Euphemet you know you him and I we all three continued to get like very similar messaging like through those sessions and the, the, in fact, the story of that messaging of what could have potentially been trying to communicate with us, uh, it, it furthered along with, with each session that we were doing. It was not only like sort of confirming, reaffirming, it was like moving that story along. And, uh, you, you know, people can go and like listen to that episode if they want, if they, if they want to hear more about that. But it was kind of stunning to me that, you know, being in this place, thinking that we may connect. I'm talking about the historic Chelsea Hotel, which was home to, you know, uh, so many decades of artistic overachievers. 
mm-hmm. <laughs> who shaped hey, the nature of of uh, of our our popular reality. I think. Yeah, and, and imperfect humans, right? Each one of them had a lot going on. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So thinking we may connect with someone in that space, especially because of like that, that energy that I think even sort of metaphorically that can be left on those walls when individuals are inhabit spaces for that, that long, um, within like sort of a liminal space, which is a hotel, which I think, you know, many within paranormal believe can, can amplify that type of thing. Um, and then, and then connecting with maybe something much different and, and, and something darker in which I I don't quite understand how, how this part of the phenomenon works in our relationship with it. When a bunch of individuals with essentially open hearts ready to explore, but generally in a very good state of being right. Who are not really interested in digging through the macabre of things or finding something darker, how they are able to then experience something, which is in that night, you know, someone potentially falling from the third floor or pushing somebody off the third floor and, you know, I'm falling and, you know, death and all these different things. How is that possible? Is that the nature of, as we had discussed earlier, like our subconscious playing into that? I mean, is there a, is there a, uh, a Kabbalistic perspective on when you do get those results that you're not expecting and or you get a vibe or energy that is not aligned with what is going on in that room? Does that make sense? I think if I'm hearing you right, part of what I'm hearing is how, how open we were, you know, because I think that the human design is extraordinary, right? We are, we are like radio transmitters to use that metaphor. Uh, but I think we're so much more than that. And I think that depending on our level of wakefulness and our level of sensitivity to the reality, you know, we can, we can relate to it in a way where it can give us some, some kind of different information. And if it's real, oftentimes it can be picked up by more than one person. You know, that's always a good, good idea. And then we've also had the equipment that we used, right? Mm-hmm. So we had all these different um, tools, that 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 let us connect. So I'm not. I wasn't surprised when when something started to come through. Does does that answer your question? I think so. Yeah. You yeah. know uh, that, it, and it makes a lot of sense because the trip that I am on right now is understanding the cultural, personal, uh, physiological influences to what our relationship with the phenomenon can be. Like, how is, how does that relationship work, you know? And based off of that, uh, you know, as I was, I was saying early, it, it, earlier, is, is there, is there evidence that our influence per whatever we're carrying or whatever sort of level of consciousness that we're expressing ourselves through, is there influence on what is coming back to us? You know, almost, you know, not a mirror or whatever else, but in those occasions when, whatever you think you're putting out comes back and it's very different. And you're like, whoa. And that explains those situations when people do experience, you know, maybe like very scary uh, portions of the, of, of the phenomena, right? That is unprovoked. That is not initiatory in the sense that they've engaged with it. Uh, you know, is not consensual, like sort of <laughs> experience. Um, what do you think about that? Does any of that make sense? We're getting real you know, deep down in the well here at 48 minutes in. It's well, it's it's a movement to complexity. That's a part of what, you know, it there's there's so many different uh examples of what might be going on when we're picking up on stuff like that. You know, so I think I, I keep hearing the phrase, you know, you wouldn't see it if you didn't believe it. You know, so yeah. I do think that I do think at bottom the way human consciousness is structured is that a lot of times we're not even going to register something if it's not somewhere in our belief systems that it could 
it could happen. And then on the other hand, you know, there's been plenty of experiences that I had that I, I definitely wasn't open to that completely changed my life. Yeah. That were like blowing the doors down of what I thought was possible. Sure. You know, so I don't think there's any, you know, I don't think there's any straight answer to the questions that you're exploring, but I think yep. those are really good questions to live into and to hang out with because it'll keep giving you more and more architecture of how life actually works, you know, because of course you could have somebody that's, you could have somebody that went through some serious trauma and, you know, they, not only do they attract more trauma to them because of this, but they also attract it from other levels of reality. You know, it just, it depends upon your, your consciousness and how you can be with what's here, you know, in relationship to who you are and what's shaped you culturally, physically, otherwise, you know? Yeah. So yeah. it, it's a movement to complexity and it's something that we can talk about for a very long time and still never have an answer. Yeah, absolutely. I think we're going to continue just revolving around this question. And I think it, the answers that we can glean from it are they have the possibility to let us understand or learn more about ourselves than whatever that is. Right. And, and that's, that's what I think I've really learned from 50 episodes of Euphemed is that there is clearly an interaction between our, our disposition, our level of consciousness, the trauma we have or have not experienced in our life. And how some of these things can be displayed, that these things as in the, you know, the phenomenon, how, how it interacts with us, I think is, is very influenced. And, you know, it's so interesting uh, forever, for years. And you probably remember this time. I've like told people like, yeah, I don't need, I don't know what I believe. And even that is in question. And, uh, th that, that was what I believed for a long time. and. That's evolving. And, and I remember you, when I used to say that, I would get a little pushback from you because you used to go like, <laughs> one of these days you're going to have to join a team here. Like it's going to happen, you know? And I said, I don't know. I think I'm just going to be, you know, a, a raving agnostic for the rest of my life. And, and in a lot of ways, I, I still believe that to be true. But if I'm as truthful as I can be, I would be hard pressed not to say that I believe the phenomenon is absolutely real in which way I'm not sure in what it is. I have no idea and believe I'll never know, but that I, I really think I'm beginning to believe that whatever it is, we are in relationship to it very personally. And that is not only reflective, but collaborative in his essence. Right. And, yeah. uh, I think that potentially ties together very well with a lot of the, you know, sort of things that you learned in mystery school about mm -hmm. the nature of the holographic reality. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, there's the, the stuff that I love about the shamanic work and the healing work that I do is because we have to come into relationship with different, what I keep saying, the, the architecture of reality, just different ways that it works. You know, it's like, how the hell can I give somebody <clears throat> a spiritual healing that shifts their consciousness when they're on the, they're on the other side of the world? It's, it's right. pretty amazing. Yeah. You know, what are the implications of something like that? You know, and what are the implications of, say, somebody is sensitive enough, sensitive enough to notice that while I'm giving a healing, there are other beings present that are also being helpers and there are other beings present that are just curious they're like oh look humans doing what they're designed <laughs> to do wow you know there's some beings that that are kind of feeding off the healing energy they're beings being they're angels being created by the healing itself you know and then you've got all right so how how do we in our own human consciousness how do we relate to these levels of reality well I don't know, Archangel Michael, which is a particular aspect of our consciousness and, and our part of the architecture of the world. Sometimes he shows up as an angel in terms of how we normally see it. Sometimes he shows up as something completely different with, you know, sometimes mm -hmm. you see these drawings of them uh, online where it's there's eyes everywhere and it doesn't look like an angel. It's just, it's this other kind of thing, not what we normally see it as. Yeah. But the point is that I, I see this much more like the movie Stargate 
where you know they they when she went through the the Stargate and then met with the aliens on the other side and they appeared in the form of her father, you know I think I think that's a lot closer to the truth um, in terms of my own experience where it's like okay even even communicating with uh, fairies the she, you know they will appear in a way that meets you where you are. And that's, that's mm. the ones that want to communicate with you. What about the ones that don't want to communicate with you? What about the ones that are really screwing with you in some ways? You know, there's a whole spectrum of personality with each one of these beings, which are, which, which has a place in each aspect of reality. So again, it's a movement towards complexity, but we can distill it down to if you, if you know yourself, if you know yourself and you know enough about the nature of reality, that gives you enough of a foothold to have a conversation with reality on those levels, if that's what you're supposed to do, you know, if you're built for that way, it's not, it's not made for everybody. Like for me, I'm not the most sensitive person when it comes to, you know, I don't journey with people after they died and things like that. But for some reason, some aspect of my consciousness is open enough to do all the things that I just named, you know, and I've been cultivating it over the years to kind of work with that. So it just, it's a, it's so, it's such a unique experience for each person. And at the same time, not so much because we're tapping into the same thing. It's just how it reveals mm. itself to us. Yeah. You know? Oh, it's, yeah. Amazing, dude. Amazing. Yeah. Well, I think we should wrap up. Sure. I yeah. think this has been a tremendous uh, catch up. I think I should remind people that they can they can connect with us. Um, you're still you're are you still ex- accepting people? Um, I'm doing healings. Yeah. 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 The Third Thing Network, all spelled out. TheThirdThingNetwork.com. That's my uh, website. And if you go to upcoming courses, on April 10th, I'm starting a six-week course. I'm teaching with Beth uh, Almarini. She's an awesome teacher. And again, she's on another level. Like, like I'm going to learn a lot from her. She's had a really cool spiritual path, and she's really she's the real deal. So mm-hmm. we're teaching a six-week class together. You can find that on my website. And it's going to be Monday nights, 6 p.m. Eastern for two hours. Uh, so that's what that's. And that's sort of just to start to dip your toes into, all right, if you like this, consider, consider more, you know, like, cause this is, this is my love and I just got permission to teach it. So I'm excited. I think two months ago or so I, I attended one of your numerology workshops, like through zoom right. and it was so much fun. And you're left with this stack of papers that are so demonstrably you that it's, it's incredible. Like it, it within that one workshop, it reveals that everything is numbers, everything is math in the in the universe, in reality, mm-hmm. and that we're a sort of a construct of that seemingly, and that you can just learn a lot from even breaking down not just your name, but your nicknames and pseudonyms and where you've lived. And I mean, it was uh, I, you know, left that like sort of on a high and going like, mm. Oh my God, if this is true, what else is true? It was one of those experiences. Right. Yes. And so what I yeah. love about that too, is that many people ask me like, how do I engage with this strange, right? Like, how do I see a ghost? How do I see a UFO? How do I, you know, you know, uh, have that feeling that so often those that are having positive experiences or experiences in general, that talk about this stuff on podcasts and TV shows and movies. Like I want a sense of that. I, I I can't have that. I would say attend something like Tim's like numerology workshop or, or, or look into mysticism because these things are, I don't know if it's appropriate. You may not agree with me phrasing it this way, Tim, but there's sort of like a, a cheat code into engaging with something else and allowing yourself to open up. I mean, maybe you've been put in a position by, you know, how your life has been or how you were raised or just who you are as a person that, that you're super closed off. You know what I mean? And maybe your sense that you want to find that adventure, you want to have those experiences. You want to have that sense that something else is much greater and mysterious than you can imagine. If that, if that's you, you know, maybe you just need to open up a little more and it's things like Tim's work, uh, that, that allow you to do that, you know? Um, so, so yeah, it's, it's not a commercial. I'm not like trying to hype you up, you know, like my promo code or something, but, uh, (laughs) 
but you did complete the transaction. I invited you to the course, and now you you promoted it, so we're good. <laughs> oh shit! That's what was going on, huh? All right. Gotcha. D- d- gotcha. Yeah, you always get me in the end. You're a hell of a salesman. Uh, yeah. But before before you go, just to put a, a cherry on top of what you're just saying. I, I agree with what you're saying. It's about opening your heart, right? If you can open your heart, then you you're able to enter into a different state of consciousness. Uh, it's not it's not dualistic anymore. The brain, the head, works with dualism, right? It splits the world into pieces and parts, but the heart can hold it all. And so the heart is your gateway into the divine and your gateway into these other realities. If you can bring the rest of yourself along for the ride in a healing way, so that's what I would say about that. Yeah. It's wonderful. Tim, uh, I love you, man. Love you too, brother. This has been a fantastic conversation. Soon it'll be in person as we go and adventure once again. I'm looking forward.